take out your Bible, if you would, open to Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. We're continuing in our study of the gospel of Luke, and we pick it up in a section where Jesus has been teaching a number of parables, primarily about the kingdom of God, and that certainly is the case here. Only this parable is a little bit different in this way. You know, typically when we study a parable, we're, we're, um, we're seeking or, or, or we're, we're looking for kind of that deeper spiritual truth. What's the, what's the big idea? What's Jesus want us to know? What, why would Jesus be teaching this now? How then do we apply it to our lives? That's what's typical. In this case, Jesus answers all of those questions right off the bat. And I want you to see this, Luke 18, verse 1. Just, just look at verse 1 for a moment. It says this, now he, that's Jesus, was telling them, that, that is the disciples, he was telling them a parable, a common everyday story that they would understand, a parable, and here's why, to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. The disciples, listen up, I'm going to make this one simple, I'm going to tell you a story, here's why, so that you will pray and not lose heart. Now, we got to understand this, this parable is told in the context of what Jesus just said last week, Lloyd taught it last week in chapter 17, about the nature of the kingdom of God. This parable flows out of that. I'm telling you this because of what I just said about my second coming. In fact, if you were here last week, you'll recognize this chart. Lloyd Lloyd said that the kingdom of God is in fact what? It's the rule of God in the hearts of people. And the kingdom of God is both present. If you can't see this, I'm going to walk us through this. So hopefully you'll get it. It's both present and it's future. So, So the kingdom of God is already, I have a cross here symbolizing the first coming of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is already in the presence of Jesus on earth, his death, his death and his resurrection, and it is not yet. In other words, it won't be fully consummated. It won't be fully completed. All things will not be made right until Jesus comes again. That is his second coming. And the point that Jesus, or that Lloyd made last week and that Jesus is going to make again today is that we live in the interval, the delay between his first and his second coming. And so what Jesus is saying here is that for those of you who live in the interval, that is all of us and all who have lived since Jesus's first coming, those of you who live right here, you're going to struggle It's going to feel difficult. It's going to feel like the second coming is long in coming. The delay is going to be discouraging. It's going to be easy to lose heart. It's going to be hard to pray. You will struggle. You will want to quit. You will discourage. So I'm going to tell you a parable, a story, so that you won't lose heart. So that you won't lack in faith along the way in the interval. And I I literally, honestly, this is the truth. I got right here in my study. I made that one observation and I just stopped. And I was like, thank you, God. I am not crazy. I have felt all those things about my own prayer life. I have. Doubts and confusion and frustration and questions. Does God really hear my prayer? Or does it sometimes just kind of hit the ceiling and bounce back? Does God always answer my prayers? 
I, I know when he does when the answer is yes, right? Because I pray something and then it happens. I, I know that's the case, but, but w- what if it's a, a no or a not yet, a, a wait? How do I know the difference between no and wait if that's God's answer? And, and, and if it's a no, should I keep praying the same thing? Uh, it, it seems like if it's a no, then it's, it's a no. It, that would make sense to stop praying it. I know when my kids keep asking me questions and I say no, I want them to stop asking. So is that the case with prayer? How, how, about, how about the wait part? Should I keep praying if it's wait or, or not yet? Should I continue to pray? Should I come back to it later? Uh, maybe God's tired of hearing my prayer. And the prayer thing can be discouraging, can it? Certainly sometimes. I feel like I've gone long seasons in my life where I've prayed for the same things for long periods of time and to no avail. Like, just seems God is silent on that specific prayer. Uh, Hillary and I and our kids, we, we prayed for Hillary's mom who had cancer for years. Hillary's mom died of cancer. We, we prayed that, that I've prayed for, for me that God would restore some broken relationships in my life that are still unreconciled. I pray that God would change me. It seems that God goes silent. It's not like I'm praying to win the lottery or praying that I get to play golf every day for the rest of my life. But by the way, God, if you're listening, that was lottery and golf. Yeah, I would love for you to hear that prayer. Yeah, no, no, it's not like I'm praying that. No, it's pray, I'm praying. That like biblical, things that align biblically, at least some of the time, things that align with the character of God. And, and if those things don't get answered, it's like, man, well, why should I keep praying? And, and if God is, in fact, sovereign, accomplishing his purposes, and he's going to do that anyway, then why does it matter that I really pray? I'm not saying that God doesn't ever answer my prayer. I just, I just said that. No, God does. He has. He, I believe that he will. I'm just saying that there are these long seasons of life where I'm just left wondering or doubting or confused or discouraged. I am. I, I feel that. I, I know you feel that too. We're honest, we do. And we come to this passage and Jesus says right off the top, I knew you were going to feel that way especially in the in-between. So I'm going to tell you a story. And the story is a story about a judge. And this is the most important thing in the story. The story is about a judge who is the exact opposite of God. Opposite in every way. His attitudes, his heart towards people, his, his actions. If you imagine a spectrum up here of character, the, the, this judge is on one end, the evil end, and God is on entirely the opposite end. They could not be further apart in their character. And a widow comes to this judge, this is the story, and is seeking legal protection. She's seeking justice from her adversary, from her opponent. And this judge He couldn't care less. Doesn't care about the widow's need. He doesn't care about justice. He doesn't care about his own reputation. He doesn't care about his responsibility before God. All this judge cares about is himself. And Jesus uses this story of this persistent widow who continues, who keeps coming and standing before this unjust judge to demonstrate how different God's response is with his people. It's a powerful story and I want you to see it. So read along with me as I go beginning in verse 2. Here it is. 
In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Okay, you see the character of the judge right off. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow bothers me, because she keeps coming, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said to the disciples, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect, for his people, who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus hits it right on, he says, this is why I'm going to tell you the story. We get right into the story. He answers the question, why should we pray and not lose heart? Jesus says, here's why. If a disrespectful, uncaring, unjust unrighteous judge hears the cry of a widow, then how much more does God, who is just, who is wise, who is righteous, who is loving and compassionate, hear the cries of his people? It's an argument from lesser to greater. And when we understand the heart of the judge, it creates such a stark contrast that we then can better understand the heart of God. Now, did you notice that in the story, the judge actually delivers on justice? He actually answers the widow's cry, and he answers it in the same way that God would answer it, only he answers it with a very, very different motivation, doesn't he? Why does he answer the widow's request? Well, because she's wearing him out. She keeps coming. She's bothering him. She's pestering him. And he gets so sick and tired of her showing up in his court every day that he answers her request. He wants her to stop making his life miserable. So he grants her justice. How many times have I been in the store Many times have I been in a place like Target where with my three kids, every time like the cart moves, they ask me for something else. Experience this? Like, is a cart moves? Oh, Dad, that cute little stuffed alligator is, oh, man, that would look great on my bed. No. Dad, oh, the bubble machine. Look at that. It plugs in the wall. Bubble machine. No. Dad, the super soaker water gun. All Star Wars water gun, Dad. You like Star Wars. Come on, let's do this thing. No. Uh, uh, Dad, what about Skittles? Yeah, Skittles. No. M&M's. No. Chewy Sprees. No. Dad, can I have a Slurpee? I hate that little part of Target that has all the junk food. Hey, can I have a Slurpee? No. Dad, a vitamin water. That's healthy. No. We're back to the alligator. Oh my gosh, stop asking me all these questions. Then I get to the checkout counter. Where it's just like everywhere you turn, there's gum and candy and video games and movies. Oh my gosh, like all around me. And it's like, bam, 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 bam. The only minute they stop asking is so that they can start asking for something else. And they're like this perfect tag team wrestler, like one stops and boom, next one's in all over it. And finally, I'm like, yes, you, okay, enough. Yes to everything. You, you can have the Starbucks. You can have the, the movies. You can have the Chewy Sprees and the Big League Chew and go back and get the dead gum alligator. 
I don't care. Just stop asking me, right? Now you know the heart of the judge. He answers her question because he can't take it anymore. He responds not because he hears her cry, not because he wants to help, not because he wants to bring justice to bear. No, he responds because he wants to be rid of her. He wants to be done with her. And that's where Jesus says, and this is the point of the parable, God's response, God's motivation, God's heart toward us is exactly the opposite. Why does Jesus tell us to pray? Because unlike the judge, God hears, God answers, and he does so quickly. Now I hear that, I hear those words, and I want to believe Jesus at his word, I really do. I, I want to believe that to be true about the character of God. The problem is, as it relates to my own prayer life, that's not been my experience. God hears, I don't know. God answers always, I, I'm not sure. God does so quickly, not in my life he has it. How, how can those things be true? D does God really hear? Does he always answer me? Does he actually do that quickly? Th those are the questions for me. And I believe that those are the questions that Jesus answers in the text. And so we're just going to take them. One, two, three. Here's the first question. Does God really hear my prayers? Does he? Well, the answer is yes. He hears every single one of them. He hears and he cares. Now look at verse 6. I love this phrase. Jesus says this. Hear what the unrighteous judge said? He came through. Now will not God, who is so different than the judge, bring about justice for his people? The ones who call on him day and night, the ones who are persistent in prayer, how much more does he want to call on them? Or how much more does he want to answer them? See, see remember the stories, the context is judge and God are opposites. You see, the judge, motivated by his own selfish desires, he hears the widow's cry because he wants to hear no more. By contrast, God hears the cries of his people because he wants. To hear them. It's his purpose. It's why his, he exists. Everything about his nature and his character is designed to hear us. We're made for relationship with him. Yes, he exists for relationship with us. I could take this Bible. I could go for two hours and show you over and over and over again how God hears his people. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. He, they, they talked with him and they listened to him. God talked with them and he heard them before they sinned and after they sinned. God heard the prayer of Abraham and Sarah. God heard the prayer of Joseph. God heard the prayer of Moses. I don't want to go see that Pharaoh. God heard the prayer of David in, in the midst of injustice and persecution and his desire for safety and protection. God heard prophets and judges and kings. God heard men and women and students and children. Flip over the New Testament. God hears Mary, mother of Jesus. God hears Elizabeth, her cousin, God hears disciples, men and women, followers of Jesus Christ. And I can promise you this, God hears you and me. Why? Because we're his children. 
Because we're his followers. Jesus says we're co-heirs with him. His sons and daughters. Does he hear us because we pester him like the widow woman did the judge? No, no. He, he hears us because he wants to hear us. See, I think, and, and this is important, I think you and I, certainly true in my life, I think we often equate hearing with answering. See, I, I think that's what we do. Those are two separate things. We, we may actually have a problem with the answer. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but we think we have a problem with the hearing. No, we don't. Two completely different things. What we're talking about here is hearing. Does God hear us? And the resounding answer to that question is yes, he does. God is not like the judge. He is not pestered. He is not interrupted. He hears us. Why? Because he wants to. That's the answer to question number Here's question number two. I said we'd get to the answer. Does God always answer my prayers? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, in Christ alone for your salvation, then the answer is yes. He always hears your prayers. Look at verse 7 just for a moment. Jesus says this, God answers the prayers of those who cry out to him day and night. How? By bringing about justice. When you look at that phrase, he uses it again in verse 8. I tell you that he, God, will with certainty definitely bring about justice. Well, how does he do that? Well, the phrase implies two things. How how does he bring about justice? Does just God bring about justice? He does that for his followers, for his people in two ways. First, he rescues them. Jesus did for us on the cross. He rescues us spiritually. That's the thought of protection. He protects us. And second, second, he he vindicates us against those who abuse us, against those who mistreat us. He judges those who mistreat us. So we have this concept when we think about God bringing justice, we have this concept of protection and vindication. That's the picture in the parable of the woman. She gets protection and vindication against her adversary from the judge. And God does that because his character is just. He he can't do anything different. It's impossible for him to act with disregard to his character. He cannot allow injustice to go unreconciled. If he were to allow one small injustice to go unreconciled in the end, then he would in fact not be just. So what does he do in his justice? He vindicates the righteous. He reconciles injustice. He restores. He redeems. He pursues his own children. Now, This is where it's difficult for us. He does some of that now, and he does some of that later. You see, he answers according to his kingdom purpose in his proper time, which means some of the answers to our prayers are already 
They're now. Jesus came, died on the cross. We can know salvation for sure. Eternity secure through the person of Jesus Christ. Some prayers are answered now. Some are answered along the way. And some will not be answered until Jesus returns again. We struggle with that. Some are answered now. Some are answered later. Now, let me say something about the answer. Our view of God's answer to prayer, our view of God's answers are typically defined by a very small box. Will God heal my mother-in-law? Yes or no? Will God provide me this job I'm pursuing? Yes or no? If not this job, will he provide me another? Yes or no? Will God restore this relationship that's difficult right now in my life? Yes or no? Not, not bad questions. Just we understand the purpose of prayer very specifically, typically defined by a small box of our own expectations, what our own finite minds can imagine the answers to be. And the purpose for prayer as it relates to us typically has to do with the needs in my life right now. See, we view prayer, God's answer to prayer, we view it through a temporal lens or a material lens. And that is typically a very, very small box. God's purpose for prayer is different. God's purpose for prayer is that we might be made more and more into the image of his son. God's purpose for prayer is that our character would be transformed into the likeness of his son. That takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. Part of the reason that we're living in the in-between and Jesus didn't just take us with him when he returned to heaven is so that God will shape and transform our heart more and more into his likeness according to his larger redemptive purpose. That's part of why God does that. That takes time. God's purpose is different, that we might be made into the image of him. Think back just for a minute about all the people I just listed in the scripture. That all their prayers get answered according to their perspective? No. Abraham and Sarah waited a long, long, long time for children. Joseph stayed in that dungeon for four years, didn't see his family for another 20 years. David's life, it did not get easier. Injustice abound, suffering, pain, hardship, discouragement. It didn't change. Even Jesus, God's own son, he, he sits in the garden of Gethsemane. And what does he pray? God, would you have this cup pass? I don't want to be crucified tomorrow. If there's another way, would you provide it? What does God do? He doesn't do it. Jesus goes to the cross. Did, did God not answer those prayers? You see, I, I think he did. But he didn't answer them according to our purposes. Didn't answer them according to our perspective. He didn't answer them according to our box. He answered them according to his kingdom purpose. You see, his purpose for prayer is not temporal. It is always eternal. And that never, ever fits in the box doesn't. You know, the truth of the matter is, I am changed, my character is transformed 
more often when my prayers go unanswered than it is when they go answered, right? And what's interesting about that is that unanswered is only from my perspective because God is answering them. He's just answering them according to His purpose. And that is that I would be made more into the image of His Son. H.A. Williams writes, Through prayer, we enter into the realm of reality. We see things as they really are from God's point of view. Prayer benefits us to see from God's perspective. And He answers in His time according to His purpose. Brings us to question number three, and that is, how is it that God answers prayer quickly? We just said it, it doesn't seem quick. often seems like it takes a really long time. And if God is, in fact, going to answer some prayers now and some prayers when Jesus returns again, that actually could be a really long time. Yet Jesus says it twice here. He says in verse 7, Will God delay long over his children? Implied answer, no. Verse 8, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them. How? He'll bring about justice for them quickly. How can that be? Peter helps us answer that question in 2 Peter chapter 3. He sets this context. He's, he's talking about the delay that we feel in the in-between, in, in between Jesus' first coming and his second. And he says about that delay that it feels long. He says, like, we're waiting. We're still waiting for the coming promise. <laughs> Recognize that Peter wrote those words about 80 years after Christ was here. We're here 2,000 years after Christ was here. Feels long to us, too. Feels like that what began at creation just continues. When is the promise coming? And then he transitions and he helps us to understand God's perspective of time. He says this, we tend to forget that God is timeless. That yes, God created the heavens and earth long ago, but he existed before that. He is above time. He is beyond time. And then he goes on. Peter says, for God... His perspective, you've heard this, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And he is working quickly without delay to accomplish his redemptive purpose, which is namely to, so that people will not perish, but they will come in relationship with him. They will believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and be restored and will, will live forever. So when we read it, we understand that we see time only from our context. We see time only from the perspective of our, of our 80 years, of our lifespan. Peter says, no, God is timeless, exists before the heavens and earth. A thousand years is a day. A, thousand, a day is a thousand years. And not only that, but God is accomplishes his redemptive purposes. He is patient with us, holding the door open in the in-between that many might come to faith before Jesus returns again. And when he's doing that, he is doing it quickly and without delay. And when we understand it from God's perspective. We understand our 80 years on earth or however many that the Lord gives us in the context of all of eternity, then we begin to understand quickly. It becomes a very relative term very fast. God is in fact working quickly without delay to answer our prayers and to accomplish His 
great redemptive purpose. And then finally, Jesus turns the question on us, and he ends the parable this way. You see at the end of verse 8, he says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And when I first read it, I thought, faith? I thought we were talking about prayer. And then it dawned on me, we are. (laughs) Prayer is an expression of faith. It is. It's what the whole parable is about. You go back to verse 1. Why is Jesus teaching the parables? To show us that we should keep praying, that we should not lose heart in our praying. What does not lose heart mean? Not lose heart means that we should not lack in faith until he comes again. Prayer and faith are connected. So what is it that Jesus is really asking? He's asking this, and I wrote it this way on the side screens. He says, when he comes, will he find anyone praying? And my hope is that he would. My hope is that he would find us a prayerful people. 